welcome back, everybody, to uh, episode five of the Vancouver Boys podcast. Let's uh, throw it over to you guys. How are you guys doing, Jake? Hell yeah, welcome back, everyone. Um, I'm doing great, honestly. Uh, what a weekend news for hockey, though. Holy cow. Uh, yeah. Marcus, how are you? Good, thanks. Good, thanks. Happy to be here. Happy to be back. It's been a week since the last one. It's going to be another week since the next one. <laughs> Thanks for that. <laughs> of course, just keep everyone posted on yeah, the schedule. A weekly schedule, everyone, in yeah. case you don't know that. Just so you know, next Friday, Friday after that, Friday after that, <laughs> you'll know where to be a new us. episode. Yeah. Uh, how's the weather over there, Tyler? Uh, actually, it's been nothing but sun lately, so Ooh. nothing but sun and 10 degrees in Fort Mac here. All the Fort snow Mac. melted yet? Uh, yeah, sure. <laughs> Summer's upon us. Yeah. yeah. Enjoy it while it lasts there for the next 24 minutes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. It'll probably start snowing tonight, but uh, hopefully we can get outside oh, and enjoy the sun for a little bit. Yeah, for sure. Uh, let's jump into our fake sponsor. Yeah, you want to give us the fake sponsorship? I'd love to. Just remind our listeners that the fake sponsor is here in place of a real sponsor because we don't have any of those yet. <laughs> uh, if you like what you hear, you like what you see, then please feel free to reach out to us and we would love to talk sponsorships. Uh, our fake sponsor of the day uh, is Indeed.com. Whether you're looking for a position that requires experience, such as Canucks bottom six forward, or an entry-level position, such as head of the NHL to Players Department of Safety. You can find it on Indeed. Indeed? Indeed. <laughs> that was great, man. That was a good one. Wow, what a week for uh, Canucks hockey here. We got lots of news to talk about, but before we get into that, I guess uh, we're going to start with yeah. jumping into the whole uh, Washington Capitals rangers uh situation here but, but before we get into that i just want to quickly uh give my condolences to the oshi family i know they uh oshi's dad passed away and uh he just so happened to get a hat trick in his first game back after that it's pretty uh pretty sad that it happened to be on a night where all the focus was on tom wilson but uh all in all it um it was nice to see him go out there and get a few for his dad yeah that's uh that's an emotional story, and uh, you know it's it's pretty awesome that he was able to go out that go out there and do that for his dad on such a hard night, and you know seeing him on the bench after that third goal was uh, was pretty special. So definitely condolences to the family and uh, congrats to Oshi. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, uh, none of us came too close to becoming professional athletes, but we all played sports growing up. We know the sacrifices that our parents made to get us to where we are and make us the people we become. So uh, all, all the respect in the world to TJ and the whole Oshi family. But unfortunately, that storyline got just so shadowed by the Tom Wilson thing. And what's funny is, like, for a guy that, you know, consumed the headlines of that game, he didn't even play much in it. No, he didn't. <laughs> yeah. I mean, so let, let's start with the incident from the beginning. So what's everyone's opinion on... His on Tom Wilson's discipline for what he did to Artemi Panarin and that guy whose name I will never be able to pronounce. <laughs> Pavel Buchnevich. Perfect. I'm just from now on. Every time I need to bring him up in this story, I'm just going to point at Jake. He's going to say his name for me, and I'm going to continue my thought. <laughs> Sounds good. Might be a editing nightmare for me. But... 
No, leave it in. Appreciate that's what that. I'm saying. You're just gonna you're gonna be like the like the voiceover for me. You're just gonna say the name when I point at you. It'll okay. be, it'll be really Sounds fun. Good. Um, yeah. So, what's everyone's thoughts on the discipline that Tom Wilson faced? Personally, I uh, I think five grand was kind of a joke. I think uh, I think at least for the cheap shot, there should have been a couple games handed out. And then what he did to Panarin, I I honestly would have suspended him long term just to send a message because he's always been one of those players who kind of plays right on the edge. But uh, I think for sure the five grand was was almost just a joke, kind of a slap in the face to the Rangers. Yeah, and slap in the face to the rest of the league too, right? Like this is a guy that has such an extensive history of not just playing on the line but playing over it right like um, I think back to some of the the cheap shots the hits and he you know gets off pretty scot-free for all the shit that he does and um, yeah I I just I can't I can't imagine how uh, Artemi Panarin feels right now you know he's probably suffering from some sort of brain injury and that could you know follow him for a long time I mean anytime you get your head bounced off the ice like that with no helmet on, like, come on, that's just brutal. And 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 with the New York Rangers having to pay out that two hundred fifty thousand dollar fine for calling out the Department of Player Safety, you know, as as much as that that sucks for them, and we all disagree with it, they're probably looking at that money as some of the best money they've ever spent, you know, because the Department of Player Safety and the NHL as a whole is being really examined right now by the league, and uh, I think there will be significant change this off season. I think that the next collective players bargaining agreement will be heavily influenced by this incident. And I think you're going to see that $5,000 fine maximum shoot up a lot higher because $5,000 is, it's not even a slap on the wrist to these guys, right? It doesn't affect the way they play at all. And it's intended to. Well, the stat I saw was that to the average American working man, that fine is the equivalent of $60. That's $60. Um, and, and here, here's my take on it is I'm a little bit torn and I almost feel bad for Peros here. Uh, and the reason that I feel bad for him is because he was put in a hard situation in that to my interpretation of the rules of the actual written NHL rules, what he did was not suspendable. There's no actual rule in the book that protects a player who's down on the ice if you're in a scrum or a fight or whatever it is there's no actual rule that says the player you're fighting can't punch you while your head is on the ice it's a common sense thing it's a respect thing that the players have and it's funny that it isn't written but it's not and so that that's why i feel bad for peros here is because by the rules of the nhl what Tom Wilson did was unfortunately not suspendable. Although me and I think most other logically thinking people realize it should have been suspendable. Yeah, I think it's like a roughing penalty. Yeah. In the eyes of the game, it's like a roughing penalty to pick someone up and throw them to the ground. It is. But like, if you get more specific, picking them up by their hair and bouncing their bare head off the ice. Right. Like, there, there, just, there has to be somewhere in the rules that they could have exploited that for... Some sort, like, I mean, come on, a hit to the head penalty, right, is suspendable. That was what Rafi Torres did when he got his 41-game suspension, was he elbowed a guy in the head or hit him in the head, 
it's head contact. So I have a really hard time seeing how the Department of Player Safety can look at that situation and go, yes, that's a huge suspension and deliver it. But then look at this where it's exactly, if not even worse than that situation and, and give him, you know, at least a multi-game suspension. And I think the thing is, is that the playoffs are around the corner for the Washington Capitals and Tom Wilson is a huge piece for that team. I actually got to disagree with you on that. I think they would have loved to suspend him, but again, by, by the written rules, they can't. They cannot. They're, they have their hands tied behind the chair, right? There's nothing they can do about it. So do you think do you think Pavel Butchnevich gets a suspension for his cross-check on Matha? Yes, because that's a suspendable hit written in the rulebook. You can suspend someone for that. And I do believe he did get suspended. Uh, they, they came out today, and I think he got a one-game suspension. Which is probably a lot less than it would have been had the events of the previous game not happened. Yeah. The one thing that I kind of seen, um, like coming from that, like what uh, Tom Wilson did, was it kind of brought back a little bit of the old school hockey that I think the NHL is missing with like the fighting and the grittiness. I mean, that game was a little much because I think there was, what, seven fights or six fights. Yeah, six in the first, the first five minutes. Five minutes, which which <laughs> I watched, and like, man, that was freaking awesome. Like the 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 all three forwards lining up, dropping their gloves right off the, the drop of the puck. That was awesome, you know. Oh, or, I loved... or Brandon Smith coming flying across the ice to grab Tom Wilson and just start yeah. throwing haymakers at him. Like that kind of stuff was just so awesome to watch. And seeing all the like old NHL guys going on Twitter and tweeting about how awesome the first period was. From an entertainment perspective, yeah, I mean, it was awesome. But from a league perspective, what an embarrassment. I know. <laughs> I mean, I, I think what the NHL is worried about here is, is they know that by keeping fighting in the game, they will right now probably make more money. More people oh, will definitely. tune in and watch. What they're worried about is the quality of the sport going down. If parents keep watching this, and as we all know, the world is progressively getting softer, uh, young parents, particularly moms, watching this on TV and going, I don't want my kid involved in that. And they either pull their kid from the sport or they just don't enroll them in the first place. And that could be detrimental. Did I use that word right? I think so. Yeah, it could be detrimental. All right. Then it's detrimental <laughs> to the future of hockey. I, I just personally don't see what's wrong with mixing a little UFC, a little hockey, you know? <laughs> a little bit of the best of both worlds. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And, Brett, and the XHL. Yeah. <laughs> the Montreal Canadiens starting lineup next year has GSP as a defenseman. <laughs> That'd be hilarious for Connor McGregor oh, on Brock, the Yeah. <laughs> Like Brock Lesnar lining up at center. Brock Lesnar, yeah. In net for the Buffalo Sabres, Brock Lesnar. <laughs> Oh, I'm man. sure. I'm sure Robin Leonard could give him a run for his money in a fight, though. Oh, <laughs> if, you know what? If any goalie could, yeah. But come on, man. Brock Lesnar is a brick shit house, man. That guy is <laughs> thick. <laughs> oh. Yeah, it's really too bad that that game was just, you know, all about the uh, the situation, and it didn't have to be. Yeah, I mean, it really. Obviously, the Oshi family deserves more of the headlines from that game. Just, I, I mean, that in any other NHL game, if you watch the reaction of TJ on the bench uh, after he scores the third goal, I mean, that that should be your headline, your front page picture, yeah. not not what it actually was. And you know, I think there actually is a 
an issue with that game that that I don't think it's looked at at as much. And I kind of want to get your guys' opinion on this too. From your perspective, if you're playing on a team with Tom Wilson, you see him do that, you must think to yourself like, okay, this probably he's probably in the wrong here, right? Like they're human beings, they can look at the situation and think, yeah. okay, he's probably wrong. Yet five of his teammates stood up and fought for him in that game, you know? Like they still fought to, you know, for one reason or another to stand up for Tom Wilson. And but, I wonder why. But do do we know that that's to stand up for Tom Wilson or is that to respect the Rangers that are asking for a fight? Right? You you have to understand that the even the like you said, the his teammates understand that he was in the wrong and that New York wants revenge. If their revenge is maybe unfortunately punching you in the face, say you see Panarin's best friend on that team, whoever it is. I don't know the social dynamics of the Rangers locker room. But Panarin's best friend is sitting there, lines up beside you in the face-off and goes, hey man, I we gotta go, we gotta fight. You, you're not accepting that and saying, yes, because I'm gonna defend Tom Wilson and I disagree with you. You're saying, yeah, no, I get where you're coming from. I You, you need this fight. Yeah, no, I can see it from that way 100%. I just can't see people standing up for somebody who who would do, like, dirty things like that. But then if you look at, like, the Boston Bruins, I'm sure every one of them would go for, go to war for Brad Marchand. So it's like, I don't know, it's like almost like a family kind of deal. Whereas, like, you have that one person in your family that you might not always get along with, that might do things that you just don't love, but at the end of the day, they're family. And you're going to fight for them, so. Yeah, and well-built NHL teams are families. <laughs> Jeez, boys, this is getting real deep. <laughs> yeah. Oh, I, I, I get it, though. I get it. The, the thing for me with the whole situation, and this seems to be a take that not a lot of people have agreed with, my biggest problem with what happened in the initial game what, what, with what Tom Wilson did was actually his reaction in the penalty box afterwards. I'm sure everyone's seen this, too. He's standing there, his jersey's been ripped off, and he stands up and he starts flexing and making himself look big. And I kind of thought, like, you know, it's one thing in the heat of the moment in a scrum. You know, I, I played box lacrosse. I played full contact sports. I get that sometimes you lose yourself a little bit. You're just angry or frustrated or whatever else, and maybe you do something you regret. But then to have all that time to think about it afterwards, get in the penalty box, you're getting dressed again, and the first thing that comes to mind is to start celebrating it and showing off that just that to me took a lot of respect that I had for Tom Wilson away because I'll admit I I do like him as a player he plays on the edge he plays with grit and I find his style of play to be entertaining but when you know you cross the line cut your losses and walk away don't double down the way he did I I lost a lot of respect for him not only with what he did but largely just from what he did in the penalty box after. I, mean, I think that play in the penalty box there with Wilson, I think he was just compensating for his small dig. <laughs> yeah. You love to see it. You love to see it. <laughs> Embarrassing himself. Yeah, I mean, come on. Like, nobody's watching that and going, oh, I want to be like him when I'm older. Yeah. You know? They're like, no. what an idiot. That's so cringy. No. Yeah. I mean, I, I don't think even... Caps fans can be okay with what he did in the penalty box after. Yeah. I, I mean, what he did, it, it wasn't on the line. It wasn't a borderline play. It was dirty. It was straight up dirty. And I get, like I said, I get the initial instinct to do something wrong, but afterwards to double down on it the way he did. Yeah. That, that's where I lose my respect for him. But fortunately for us, we don't have to talk about that the whole time today. No. My, 
what a week, man. Like seriously, so much news that happened this week. Yeah, I'm I'm looking at the docket, all the thing all the things that we have planned for you lucky listeners out there, <laughs> and boy is there a lot of it. We honestly might not even get to all of it. Yeah. This is going to be a good one. Yeah. You know what? Let's get this one out of the way right now. Uh, this one's uh, for the Canucks fans. I've got a lot of questions about it. Even on my, uh, I did a live stream last night, and I got. Oh, you do? You did a live stream? I did do a live stream actually. Oh, okay. Yeah, I. Do you, uh, uh, do you happen to run a TikTok account? I do actually. A very successful one called uh, Canucks Videos: Life of a Canucks Fan. Look it up. It's a, it's a pretty good account. Um, I've gotten a few questions on this and some comments, and I really tried to stay away from it as much as I can. And we're gonna blast through this one pretty quick, guys. Um. We've talked about this before. I think we're all on the same page here. The Jake Vertanen situation. Uh, for anyone who doesn't know, uh, he was accused of sexual assault. Um, a woman came forward with a story about him. Uh, the details of which you can find very easily on the internet. You probably couldn't look up Jake Vertanen's name without seeing it. Um, but we're not going to go into detail. We're definitely not going to give any opinions or takes because it is not our place. Uh, from our perspective, this should be dealt with as quietly and privately as possible and not until there is any official information, uh, with something along the lines of, of verdict, will we actually comment on our thoughts on the situation as it is not our place. And for both Jake Vertanen and for the woman who came forward, the best thing for both of them is for this to be as quiet and have as little outside noise as possible. Yeah, I don't think that it's really our place to comment on that situation as of yet. Um, I think, of course, we can acknowledge it. Um, we recognize that it's a it's a hard thing for a person and an organization to have to deal with like this. Um, yeah, I hope that uh, you know the truth comes out and that the situation is dealt with um, as maturely and as effectively as uh, possible. And, uh, yeah, I think it's the right, I think it's the one thing I can comment on is it was the right thing for the team to give Jake Vertanen, uh, some space to get the situation figured out. Um, let's face it, their season is, you know, it, they're not mathematically eliminated yet, but they will be soon. Um, giving him time to step away from the team to, to, to handle the situation, uh, however it gets handled, um, was the best, best, in my opinion, was the best, uh, course of action for the team to take. Yeah, no, I agree 100% with that. Um, maybe a bit of a rough transition, but we'll take it. Uh, with Jake Vertanen out of the lineup, as well as missing six other roster regulars, that's opened up some room on the Canucks roster for some rookies that a lot of people didn't think we were going to see this year, at least not until long after we were mathematically eliminated. We had Cole Lind make his debut last week. We had Jack Rathbone make his debut last night. And Jonah Gajevich is expected to join the team in the next few days. Mm -hmm. um, just my, I'll, I'll do my quick opinion here. Uh, Cole Lind looks really good. I think he could use some more seasoning time uh, in the AHL. However, I think next season, what's most likely now that the fans have seen him, uh, the coach definitely seems to like him, I think he'll be bouncing between the press box and the NHL team for most of next season. Hopefully he can solidify a spot. Uh, Rathbone looked great to me. I thought he played with a lot of maturity. I thought he was skating really well for a defenseman. I really didn't know much about him. I don't keep too close tabs on our minor system. But I knew he was good, and he impressed me. Yeah, did you guys see that uh, the two-on-one he had? Yeah. With McDavid and Dreisaitl? I thought to myself, I was like, wow. 
this kid just got thrown into one of the hardest positions for a defenseman to be in in his very first game. And fortunately for him, it was a bouncing puck that drew, that Drysaddle missed when McDavid threw it over to him. But you know, he he positionally played it well, and yeah. and yeah, they didn't end up scoring. But I thought to myself, holy shit, you know, Jack Rathbone, first game in the NHL, gets a two on one with two of the best players in the world. The, Crazy. The current two top leading scorers in the league. <laughs> yeah. Right. Like, just mental. And, I mean, come on. Connor McDavid's numbers this year, like, who could have even imagined? Do you guys think he's going to break 100? He has to. His next two games are against Vancouver. He could break it by the end of the week. Man, I'm putting my money on him to break it tonight. <laughs> you need, like, eight points to break it tonight. <laughs> All goals. Yeah. The first what, ever triple hat trick in an NHL game. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I would expect nothing less to- Nothing less from McJesus. Three natural hat tricks in a row, one yeah. in every period. Yeah. <laughs> Three empty nighters. <laughs> oh man, no, he, that's he's been terrifying this year. It, it's all yeah. he's almost unfair. Yeah. But you know, okay, because here's the thing that drives me nuts about about Edmonton though. Like everyone's known this for years, right? Like their offense is built off of Connor McDavid, Connor McDavid, and Leon Dreisaitl. That's been their game plan. But the thing that really frustrates me with that team is that especially this year, that is literally it. What they do is they put Connor McDavid and Leon Dreisaitl out there to score goals, and then the rest of the team plays neutral zone trap. It's the most boring hockey to watch. You have the most exciting player in the world on your team, and your team is boring to watch. You know, like you have a 38-year-old goalie who's been standing on his head for you, but in terms of like watching games, there will be 15 minute stretches where there's not a single shot on goal. Yeah. Because it's just break in, turnover, break in, turnover, break in, turnover, break in, turnover, and they dump it out every single time. It drives me crazy. You know, this could be a really exciting team, and they just play such a dull style of hockey. They don't really have anybody else who's really going to step up and get those points. Like, Darnell Nurse is fourth on their team in, in points. <laughs> right? Isn't that saying something, though? Yeah, like it's it goes Connor McDavid, Leon Draisaitl, and then two defensemen, Tyson Berry and Darnell Nurse. And Berry's points are all just assists on Connor McDavid and Leon Draisaitl. Yeah, I mean Darnell Nurse does have sixteen goals, but still. <laughs> yeah, but like you said though, like a lot of those goals are setups from Connor McDavid because he gets double teamed every time he's on the ice. No, exactly. It just it drives me crazy because I love watching Connor McDavid. He always does something exciting. He's fast, crafty, smart, all that. But on the times he's not on the ice, or when the team's playing with a lead, they just completely shut down, and it's just the most boring hockey in the world to watch. Well, it's like watching the mid... It, w- it would be like watching the mid-2000s Minnesota Wild with Wayne Gretzky yeah. playing front center. Yeah. Like, <laughs> it, it's the most bizarre thing. Yeah. It's a boring hockey team with the most exciting player, yeah. maybe in NHL history, yeah. on the top line. It's, yeah. it's bizarre. Yeah. So, anyway, they're going to win the division. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I don't know. <laughs> Toronto's winning 4-1 right now. They're looking pretty good. But uh, Cole Caulfield did score tonight, so... Uh, did he? Again? He's looked. He's looked really. really so he nice finally has a goal that wasn't an overtime winner. Yeah, good for <laughs> exactly. him. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I mean, like, what a break into the league, though. Hey, like, he'll still be a rookie next year, and uh, you know, early Calder predictions. I think that guy is going to be up there. Now, I, I don't know all that much about Montreal's roster, but do you guys, in your opinion, I mean, Cole Caulfield, he's, I, I mean, this isn't an opinion. He is small. 
He yeah. is a very small person. Uh, <laughs> there might be a word for that, but well, I think we, I think we, okay, no. how, how many Not times can we say midgets before we get taken down? That's what I want to know. No, no, I think no, no, we no. used them all He's up in episode small. three. How, how far do you think you could throw him, Tyler? <laughs> how far do you think you could throw Cole Caulfield? Yeah, back to the midget tossing portion. Probably, probably as far as I could throw a football. <laughs> Yeah, you just you just pack him up into a little ball and fire him a hundred yards. Yeah. He just tucks into the fetal position and you underhand him. Yeah, he's he's five seven, hundred and sixty pounds. Oh shit. Dude, he's like Martin Saint Louis. Like yeah, he makes good Johnny Gaudreau look tall. Yeah. Man, like no offense if my sister's watching this, like I think she's bigger than him. <laughs> And she's not big. She's yeah. a small, petite All right. person. Anyway, my original question was going to be, heading into the playoffs, where we all know the physicality kicks up a notch and the discipline usually kicks down a notch, do the Montreal Canadiens have enough enforcement to protect a guy like him and to stop it from becoming open season on... One of their best young players. I'm going to say probably not, considering the only grit they have on that team is Josh Anderson. And maybe Corey Perry swinging his stick around. And Shea Weber, but, if he comes back. And, and Shea Weber. But other than that, they're a fairly young, small team. Well, they do have other pieces, right? Like They have like uh, Joel Armia. He's a bigger guy. Jeff Petrie, bigger guy. Uh, Eric Stahl's on that team now, right? Um, I think... You know, you're right. Josh Anderson probably is their toughest guy right now, and he's playing like a first liner. So you know, you don't really want him playing that game and that style of game in the playoffs. But I don't know. I think that they they are built in a way that they could protect a player like that. But in today's NHL, players are smaller, faster, craftier. Um, I think he can get away with his size. And it's funny too because he fell down in the draft because of that. And I remember watching the draft last year and just thinking. This kid should not be falling this far. His his numbers, his uh, speed, I mean, his impact at the World Juniors, come on. And, uh, yeah, he just, he, he he's going to be a star in the league, I'm convinced. Yeah, I mean, uh, Montreal's also never seemed to have a problem with drafting small guys. One thing that Vancouver fans still get mad about is Brendan Gallagher playing right under our noses on the Vancouver Giants. We passed him in the draft because he was too small, right? And... I will look up later what draft he actually went in, but I can tell you that the guy that the Canucks passed over him for was not as good as Brendan Gallagher. <laughs> I will tell you that right now. Um, yeah, I mean, they also, um, another guy's name I can't say is Kokinani or <laughs> Kokinani or whatever. I don't know. Ka- no, not Kok. I almost said Koskinen. Yes, Barry Kotkinyemi. Kotkinyemi. There That's you go. <laughs> Yeah, no, they, uh, yeah, between uh, him, like, they, they take small players, but they seem to work out well. Yeah, so the thing with, with Gallagher, though, is he was a fifth round pick. So, fifth round? Yeah, he was a fifth rounder. So, Jeez. like, he was a bit of a hidden gem. You know, like, he wasn't a player that the, the Canucks, you know, decided not to pick. They're, he was a guy that fell in the draft. Yeah. But, you know, that being said, um, they still, you know, didn't take him. And that was also the 2010 draft. No, that wasn't the Hodgson draft. 2010. No, Hodgson was like 2008. Hodgson was definitely before 2010. Yeah, he was a bit earlier. That's right. Yeah, it doesn't look like the Canucks had a pick in the, in the first round in 2010. Oh, okay. Um, 
they must have traded it away. You know, they were they were looking at making deep runs back then. Yeah, they were, they, they were trading their first rounders for. I couldn't even tell you who we probably got. For that. <laughs> yeah, Manny Malhotra. I don't even think. Yeah, I, don't know. I don't even think they had a second or a third that year. Yeah, I've been looking. I don't see they were, anywhere they were in this draft. All in. You know what? We don't need to pick anyone in this draft. Oh no, <laughs> Patrick McNally. In the fourth round was our first pick. Oh, yeah. And he's headed to the Hall of Fame. Uh, yeah. 115th <laughs> overall. Patrick, would you say McNally? McNally? <laughs> Jesus. Yeah, 115th. Yeah, weird how we went through that lull after 2011 where it's like, for some reason, we had no good young players coming up. Crazy how <laughs> Yeah, I wonder what happened there. Well, we had yeah, Connor so speak- McNally in the pipes. Well, you know what? Speaking of Canucks drafts, I think this is a good time to bring this up. Um, you know, we all, we all sit here, and I think we can all agree. Maybe, Tyler, you might not agree on this, but... Um, Luke Hughes is who, is who the Canucks should be looking at, con- considering where they should fall in the first round. Um, but thinking of you know whether or not they end up being in a position where they can draft him, um, who are some other guys that you guys look at and you think would be like, you know, some good good ideas for them to pick? Um, yeah, no, there's another right-handed D going high in the draft that I think the Canucks should be looking at, and his name is Brant Clark. Uh, one of our listeners named Aiden actually suggested we talk about this. Uh, shout out to you, thank you for interacting with the page. Um, he's a right-handed D, which actually works better for us because we're kind of stacked on left-handed Ds for right now. Um, obviously the reason people are so hell-bent on getting Luke is because of the connection with Quinn. But if we could not get Luke, uh, Brent Clark would be an incredible addition, uh, to our right-handed defenseman. Yeah, I've seen him on a ton ton of, um, uh, projected lists. And of course this year is all over the place, uh, so scouts have him similarly all over the place. I think if the Canucks pick later in the top tens, you know, eight to ten range, uh, I think there's a chance he could still be available, and then that would be a, a good place to pick him. Um, but I think ultimately, in this draft particularly, they're going to be need, needing to look at defensemen for sure. I don't know. Knowing the Canucks, they're probably going to do something stupid and draft like a fourth-line center. Oh, yeah, we don't have enough of those right now. <laughs> <laughs> we'll probably end up with like the first overall pick, and then we're going to be like, you know what? Go off the we'll board. We'll just trade it to... We'll trade it to any team. We're just going to take Jay Beagle back. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, they'll trade Jay Beagle before the draft and then trade the pick back for him. <laughs> trade him away for future considerations. But I mean, like, honestly, if the Canucks have never won a draft lottery. Never. In their entire existence, they've never won the draft lottery. So if they ever were to win one, man, this year would be the one for them to win, eh? This would be the one because for the first time in recent memory, no one even knows who's going first. <laughs> like, like here, this is not a bad draft. I'm using air quotes. The, it, <laughs> yeah. uh, the top 10 in this draft they're not going to be bad players and I almost feel bad for them everyone's talking about this as being a weak draft and to an extent that's true because there is no McDavid there's no Matthews there's no Connor Bedard Connor Bedard right like we, people are more excited about the first overall pick three years from now than they are about the one that's in a couple months and I feel bad for the players because it's not that they're all bad it's just that the best players in this year's draft would have probably gone above eighth overall in a few of the drafts that we've recently had. Uh, Luke Hughes is going to be phenomenal. Brent Clark is going to be phenomenal. 
I think Owen Powers is going to be incredible. I think these are going to be really good players, but there's I don't know if there's that franchise player in this draft. These are all great pieces to add to an already good team. Maybe not pieces to build a core around. What do you guys think about Atu Ratti in this draft? Or are you guys familiar well, with? Uh, yeah. I love him. Right? I love him. Yeah. Mainly because he's Finnish. <laughs> <laughs> wait, wait. I gotta I ask why. You don't know? Because no. I'm Finnish. <laughs> he's Finnish. Wait, what? You're shitting yeah, me my, right my, now. No, my mom's maiden name is Nevalainen. Holy shit. Yeah. I yeah. never knew that. Yeah, his grandpa had possibly the most Finnish name I've ever heard in the world. Let me hear it. Otto Nevalainen. <laughs> oh! <laughs> Doesn't he just sound like a third liner on like the Philadelphia Flyers? Phenomenal <laughs> hockey name. Yeah. Yeah. Too bad he was not a hockey player. <laughs> no. He's like, what, five foot eight? <laughs> He'd be a great fit on the Montreal Canadiens. Yeah, he was built like Cole Caulfield. Oh. <laughs> uh, Montreal Canadiens would grab this guy right away. Yeah. Never mind, sounds like a first liner on the Montreal Canadiens. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's awesome. But he, he looked pretty good in the uh, in the World Juniors there, so Who I could see him up? definitely going. <laughs> <laughs> Not my papa. <laughs> um, you know what? We'll, we'll use that. Um, so that was uh, partly a suggested question by uh, one of our listeners. Was uh, the... yeah, I guess we're into the mailbag segment yeah. of the show now. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say, let's let's use that. We'll transition into the inbox segment. Yeah, yeah. Uh, we've asked a few of our listeners. I asked on a live last night on our Instagram page. We asked a question on our story. Uh, just to reach out to us if you had either any hot takes or any opinions that you feel like you don't get enough media attention. And, I mean, that's what we're here for, is to talk about things that no one wants to talk about. Yeah. To, to people who don't want to hear it. Yeah, and and for those out there who feel like they would like to get their voices out there into the conversation, send us your opinions, and we want to get them out there for the world to hear. Yeah, absolutely. Um, this one I'll jump right into, and before I get to this person's question, I just want to give a big shout out to them. Their name is Mickey Bradford. Um, he messaged me with a take, which we'll get to in a minute, and uh, upon responding to him and asking if he'd be okay if we uh, shouted out his name, just to, you know, let him know that he's getting heard, he said, yeah, for sure, and he mentioned that he lives in rural Saskatchewan. He's a big Canucks fan, but he said it's hard to follow the Canucks and hard to find other Canucks fans. So he often listens to podcasts and other small news media outlets that will cover the Canucks. And uh, just a big shout out to not only him, but anyone who's devoted to following a team that's out of town, because I, I know I'm, I'm talking right here with two guys that do that. Uh, 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 Tyler is a big St. Louis fan. Uh, Jake's a Preds fan. And just all the respect in the world to you guys, because I know how difficult that could be to, keep up with different time zones you're often watching at times that aren't convenient for you you're trying to keep up um just mad respect to anyone out there who's following a, an out-of-town team and especially listening to out-of-town media and uh mickey we're gonna get to your take right after the break which we're gonna take now Today's episode is brought to you by Indeed.com. 
Whether you're looking for a position that requires experience, such as Canucks bottom six forward, or an entry-level position, such as the head of the NHL's Department of Player Safety, you can find it on Indeed. Indeed? Indeed. All right, sounds good, and we will be uh, right back after a short little break here. So I'll see you guys soon. Welcome back. We have a question from one of our listeners here that we're going to jump into right away. So, uh, Marcus, I'll let you uh, take care of that. Yeah, sure. Uh, We have Mickey Bradford from Saskatchewan here. Um, uh, Here's his take that he feels doesn't get enough attention. I think ownership knows that if they can't resign Patterson and Hughes, that the fan base and organization as a whole will cause chaos. So they'll find a way to sign them both. It hurts me to say this because I'm a big Canucks fan myself, but the way things are going, it's likely that those two will probably waste the prime of their careers in Vancouver. It's unfortunate for them and us fans, but unless ownership looks at the situation in a different light, it'll be likely that their prime will be wasted. Now, I might be a bit too much of a Vancouver homer to give my opinion on that, so... uh, I'm going to throw that one back over to Tyler as a primary blues fan. What are your thoughts on that? I definitely see where he's coming from with that. Uh, I mean, they're both still so young and I don't think they're really going to hit their prime for a couple more, like a few more years. And at that point we will have a lot of this dead cap or the cap that we're paying these players that they don't deserve off the books. Hopefully that being said that uh, Patterson and Hughes could take a slight discount and then we can build something great around them but it will be i think towards the later part of their years where they're at the top of their game and we have enough to really help propel the canucks to like a president's trophy or maybe even a stanley cup yeah so my take is similar but the way that i look at it is like this the canucks have good young talent they have players that are going to come off the books soon so as of right now, it's pretty hard to take a look at the team and say they're destined for mediocrity, they're never going to do anything, and they're just going to toil away until their contracts are up and we have to pay them huge money to stick around or they might just leave. Look at teams like the Calgary Flames. I pick on the Calgary Flames a lot. They What they did was they built around a core that wasn't strong enough to win a cup. Do I think that the Canucks core right now has the ability to potentially get them a cup? Yes, I think they have a better core than Calgary had, and if they can if they can cement this core with good supplementary talent on the second and third lines, really beef up that defense, and if Thatcher Demko develops into being the player that I think or sorry, the goalie that I think a lot of people think he will be, this team can win a cup. It's still a long ways out. Like uh, Tyler was saying, Hughes, Pedersen, even Besser. They're still young enough that they're going to have a few years to come into their prime. And I would say that as long as the GM and ownership don't try to force this team into a position they're not ready for yet by signing more bloated contracts with free agents, making poor trades, mortgaging the future too early, they still have a chance to grow and become a really competitive team. Yeah, I I agree. Um, There's... 
I have a lot of opinions on this, and we got to keep this short and sweet because we have a few questions we got to get to. Uh, thank you all, by the way, for your submissions. Uh, we'll try to get to all of them. If we don't get to yours, please submit it again. We'll try to get to you on the next one. Um, I've joked about this before, but some the more I joke about it, the more I realize it's not really that much of a joke. Uh, when we eventually do on this podcast a deep dive into Vancouver management and ownership, it will not be a one-hour podcast. It will be a two-hour special. Because I could go on about this. Um, my opinion is that I desperately hope that you are wrong. Uh, and it's hard because I can see that we have the pieces. I can see that the pieces are there. But as to will they waste their primes here, that answer only lies in... Is the Canucks organization competent enough to supplement those pieces of young core that we already have with pieces that will help them win when they are in their prime and capable of winning? And that is a question that I'm not going to dive further into, again, for fear of turning this into a two-hour special. <laughs> Thank you, uh, Mickey, for your submission. Uh, we're going to go into one more question and we saved this one for last because this is going to kind of catapult us into the next thing that we're going to talk about. Um, what are your thoughts on the Abbotsford AHL team and in the 10 to 20 years as Rogers Arena starts to show its age, where would you want the new arena to be located? Now that was a two part question, so I'll, I'll go with the first one part first. Um, so what I see with Rogers Arena is land is too expensive. They're not going to purchase a new lot of land big enough to build a stadium on downtown. There, there's no, there's no space for it anyway. What they would do, in my opinion, is for one season, hopefully, if not maybe one in a bit, they would probably just put the team in the Pacific Coliseum. It's already in Vancouver. It's already built while they would tear down the original stadium or do whichever uh, renovations are necessary, and then bring the team back there once it's completed. I, I don't see, uh, in our lifetimes, honestly, a brand new location for an NHL stadium being built downtown. And that venue for the Canucks is, like, just perfect. You know, it's right outside a SkyTrain station. It's in the heart of the city. They couldn't ask for a better place than where they are right now. No, it, it is perfect. It, and correct me if I'm wrong, but I'm pretty sure they've just started development on buildings on top of rogers arena they uh they've <laughs> you've been gone for a while they've already <laughs> built it well there you go so I, I don't see them tearing down the stadium then so they've <laughs> <laughs> been tear down people's houses too <laughs> along with it <laughs> oh man yeah. um yeah but i think that, that that second comment that uh our listener makes there is a pretty intriguing one and one that uh like you said is going to catapult us into quite the conversation because there's a lot to dissect there. That's right. So uh, for those of you unaware, uh, the Vancouver Canucks recently announced that the Utica Comets, Utica, New York, by the way, will be relocating to Abbotsford, BC. This is huge news for the Lower Mainland hockey community, uh, both good and bad, uh, and we'll get into all the reasons why, but First of all, uh, let's just get into how I'm excited for this. And the, the only thing I wish was a bit better was maybe the timing. Because uh, we touched on in the last episode how the Canucks prospect pool is not as good now as it was three years ago. 
Reason being, those prospects are not prospects anymore. They're playing on the NHL team. Uh, there's no longer, the even uh, guys that we've just called up this week, they're not there anymore. It would have been really cool to see Utica two or three years ago when they had some, you know, Ole Levy, this guy that everyone wanted to see, but no one could because he was playing in Utica. We've had lots of players like that, and I think the timing is, while unfortunate, it's still very exciting for uh, people who live out in the Fraser Valley that are a bit further away from downtown and aren't able to com- uh, to commute to Canucks games uh, all the time. Or afford tickets. Yeah. Because that's, that's a big thing. I have a lot to say on this, so I'll wait until, Tyler, you get your take in here too. Um, but just very briefly, this is awesome. This is amazing for the city. Yeah, no, I'm excited as well. The uh, Right now, currently, I'm kind of living right in in the middle of where the two stadiums would be. So it's nice to just be able to go watch a Canucks game one day or go watch a uh, Comets game one day or whatever they're going to be called because I'm assuming they're changing the name. The name change will be a topic of conversation. The Canucks have confirmed that's going to happen. But uh, let's let Jake get off his chest what he's thinking first because I feel like he's got a lot of opinions on this. Yeah, I just... Cut me off if I start to ramble, but I just... I, I wouldn't dream of it. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I'm just I'm I'm just beyond elated for this. You know, a couple right, years ago, <laughs> <laughs> I'm really happy. You know what? Shut up. <laughs> we don't want to hear it. <laughs> um, no, like a, a couple years ago, I, I I'm pretty sure most people know this, but the Abbotsford Heat used to play in Abbotsford, and basically it was an issue with management um, and the city, and it kind of fell apart. And I think as long as the relationship between the city of Abbotsford and the Vancouver Canucks organization uh, stays a positive one, then this entire experience of having an NHL affiliate team in Abbotsford is going to be phenomenal. I think you're going to get a lot of new fans of the sport in the area. Uh, Hockey's really big in the Vancouver area, but it will get even bigger in the Valley because most of those people who live in the Valley uh, don't have the means to commute to Vancouver to watch a game or afford tickets. Uh, it's really expensive to go see games. AHL games have been typically much cheaper. Uh, this is the first time that uh, the Canucks have had an affiliate team in the Lower Mainland. And so there's usually this disconnect between the affiliate team and the Vancouver uh, fan base. Um, there's a lot of young players that play on this AHL team that the Canucks are going to get a chance to see before they come to the NHL. Um, I think that'll give fans the chance to uh, build an even more or a, even stronger attachment to these players they're going to become bigger fans of these players. They're going to become more well-informed fans. Um, I think that the team in Abbotsford is going to get more media attention. Um, they're going to get talked about more. I just think that there's a whole laundry list of benefits that come with this team moving to Abbotsford. And on top of all of them, uh, like Tyler was alluding to earlier, it's super exciting to know that we're going to be able to go and sit. And I apologize to anyone who doesn't live in the Vancouver area um, and watch a... AHL game, uh, 45 minutes to an hour from where we could watch an NHL game. And they're the same franchise. It's just, it's an awesome arrangement. A lot of the teams in the NHL have this one set up already, and I think it's awesome. Um, One I haven't even mentioned yet is that the proximity for the team makes it so that a player who needs to be in the lineup for a game that day can be. Because they're playing, like I said, an hour away from Vancouver in Abbotsford. Um, There's just so many benefits to this. 
Um, I'm sure there are negatives too. I haven't really thought, I haven't had the chance to really think that much farther into it as this news just came out yesterday. Um, but so far, I'm really excited to see this team in Abbotsford. I'm excited to get more or grow more familiar with the players and uh, become a bigger fan of the AHL system because I think it is, a, it is one of the best leagues that feeds players into the NHL and it's a great development league. Yeah, I, I want to even jump back to one other thing you said. You mentioned how the Abbotsford Heat experiment was a bit of a failure. That wasn't just because of uh, connections. It was because they were Calgary's farm team. There's not a lot of people in Vancouver that are dying to go watch Calgary's prospects play games. They, But you know what they did do, though, was the Abbotsford Heat would sell out about four to five games a season. You know which games those were? They were against the Manitoba Moose, yeah. which at the time was Vancouver's AHL affiliate. So, I think having them there is a home run. I think they are gonna their ticket sales are going to be through the roof. I think young hockey players, and we know there's a lot of those in the Fraser Valley, are going to have a heyday with this because they, you know, you, you still get your Canucks tickets for Christmas and for birthdays, and that's what these kids want to do. But, man, to feed that much more hockey to them to a point where you could take them to, I, I would say, maybe a game a week if you're really avid hockey fans. And you can show these guys, look, it, it's a real lesson, too, about the journey. It's not just the NHL. You don't just wake up one day and become a star. You have to work your way up. And sometimes there's not as much media. There's not going to be cameras. You can't just do it for everyone else and for the fame. you got to work hard for you. And I think watching AHL games is an excellent example for young kids. And uh, maybe last note on the Canucks. Um, I'd just like to congratulate Jack Rathbone on his first NHL goal, which he just scored in the, the game that's going on right now as we're recording this podcast. So congratulations to him. That's a huge milestone, uh, scoring your first goal in the NHL. And yeah, I'm assuming you guys would like to congratulate him as well. I, I Absolutely. was just going to mention that the Canucks... Are four goals on four shots right now. What is going on in this game? I haven't seen a single update. So, <laughs> this is... Miko Koskinen... I'm still processing what Jake said. Never mind what Tyler just said. <laughs> Miko oh my Koskinen God. is an absolute wall right now. That <laughs> seems to be missing all the bricks. <laughs> four goals. He's a bicycle without wheels. <laughs> yeah. Four goals on four shots. <laughs> but yes. Okay, so I... Rathbone scored his first, and uh, that is awesome. Yeah, Rathbone, that's huge. I, I just watched it. Uh, Jack, congratulations. You're never going to watch this podcast. and <laughs> I, I, there, There's no point, but man, congrats. I have such high hopes for you and for uh, the future you're going to have with this team. I mean, what a goal. Just ripped it over uh, the left shoulder. Uh, that's, that's a goal scorer's goal. We're excited to have you, another offensive defenseman, rocking Kevin BX's number three. We have not seen a Canuck player wear that since him, I don't think. And, uh, man, all the best to you, Jack. That's a beauty of a goal, hopefully the first of many. Yeah. And Travis Hamanick also got his first goal as a Canuck tonight. Wow, was that really his first goal as a Canuck? I gotta yeah. start. I gotta really watch these replays again. Does Edmonton have a goalie in the net? <laughs> 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 Yeah, wow, what a shocker, eh? Yeah, four goals on four shots. I mean, one of the other goals was Nils Hoaglander. Like the, and I mean, you know, it's not like he can't score, but holy Christ. <laughs> 30 yeah. seconds into the game, <laughs> Hoaglander scored. Yeah. Yeah. Jace Howerluck has a goal and an assist. 
Wow, what a game so far for the Canucks. Man, that, that's incredible. Yeah. Oh, Mike Smith just made a save. So, oh. they, cha- they oh, changed okay. goalies and seem to have got it figured out. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry, I'm not over that brick wall comment. That's yeah. hilarious. A brick wall with <laughs> no bricks. <laughs> <laughs> it was the suspense. It was he's a wall. Unfortunately, all the bricks are missing. <laughs> Man, that sent me. That's that's A plus content right yeah. there. That's quality. Yeah, back to it though. Congrats, Jack. Congrats to the Vancouver Canucks who remembered how to play hockey this game. Uh, yeah. Man, I, what else do you want to talk about? Oh, hey, Flurry's good. Flurry yeah. got a bunch of wins. Well, you know, actually, there was something <laughs> elsewhere around the league that I'd like us to touch on. Yeah. And uh, it involves your uh, your favorite team in mind, the Nashville Predators. Um, it looks like uh, the only real um, division with any movement potential is the Central. Um, in terms of teams that are getting into the playoffs, right? Like, technically, Calgary might still be able to make it in mathematically, but it's going to be a long it's shot. It's not happening. Montreal would not. have to win... Ev- or, sorry... Montreal would have to lose every game for the rest of the season. Yeah, and Calgary would have to win all of them. Yeah. Um, that being said, uh, the Dallas Stars have to win uh, two more games to tie uh, the Nashville Predators. So it's it's unlikely. Um, but, uh, you know, the, the Predators do still have to play a few more games, uh, two of which are against the Carolina Hurricanes, who they have not beaten yet this year. So, basically... The Nashville Predators have to lose the rest of their games, which they very well might, and the Dallas Stars have to win the rest of their games, which they very well might, um, because I believe they play the Chicago Blackhawks twice. Also, for context, the teams have two and three games left, respectively. Yeah, that sh- that should be mentioned. We're not yes. we're not predicting that they're going to go on a fifteen game losing streak. Here. Yeah, no, <laughs> there's there's very <laughs> few games left. So I guess I'd love to get uh, your guys's take on whether or not you think the Dallas Stars can overtake the Nashville Predators and make it into the playoffs. Oh, God. Well, I'm not going to eat my words, so I'm going to stick with the fact that Dallas is going to make it in. As much as I don't believe that, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to stay with it, but we'll, we'll see. Well, if it makes you feel any better, I, a Nashville Predators fan, believe that at present moment... The Dallas Stars are a better team than the Nashville Predators are. They look better. Um, Tyler Sagan has brought new life back into that lineup. Um, and they play, like I said, a weaker team twice. And the Predators play a stronger team twice. Very true. So you you could be right, you know. Like, it, it is possible. For, for your sake, I hope Nashville makes it in, though. I appreciate it. I think we can all agree on that. Jake's been through a lot. <laughs> 2017 <laughs> alone. <laughs> Uh, I guess, yeah, that that's the only movement I see as well. I think mm-hmm. you're right. That and even at that, it's iffy. Mm-hmm. In other news, I guess we got a couple uh, couple milestones here that were hit. Anze Kopitar quietly got his thousand points. I honestly yeah, had that... I honestly had no clue that he was that close. Yeah, um, I didn't hear that anywhere. Yeah, I I was gonna say. I mean, like. I feel like when other players have hit a thousand points, there's been like a buildup, like when they get to like, you know, five or six points before they hit it, 
the the NHL starts bringing it up. Like it'll start getting posted. Even Sportsnet when they do highlights will go, oh, he's getting close, and they'll kind of mention it. I found out about that. I didn't even know he was in the vicinity of it. I didn't find that out until after he got it, and it was kind of a shock. It was like, oh, hey, good for him. Mm-hmm. But it, I felt bad. I didn't really get to immerse myself in the story as much as I would have liked to because I just didn't know what was happening. And that's I could I could go on for a long time about how I think the NHL fails at marketing sometimes. But, um, I mean, I'm a pretty avid hockey fan. Uh, so for me to not know about this, never mind people who are just casual fans or even thinking about getting into hockey, I mean, man, that's a bit of an L on the mm-hmm. part of the NHL's marketing team. Not to take away from this incredible accomplishment. Congratulations, Anze. Yeah, no. The first person to ever refer to him as Anze. (laughs) (laughs) Congratulations, Anze. That's the first thing that came out. I don't know. But uh, you guys. Uh, Flurry won a whole bunch of games. In fact, the third most of NHL, of any NHL goalie ever. Yeah. And he continues that trend of French Canadian goaltenders. (laughs) Congratulations, Mark. Yeah. (laughs) Merrick. Wait, what were you saying, though, that, like, the one, two, three, and four spots of most winning goaltenders in NHL history are all occupied by French-Canadian goaltenders? That is correct. Yeah, it's like, it's I think it's Martin Brodeur, uh, Marc-Andre Fleury, Roberto Luongo, and do you remember who the other one was? Patrick Waugh. Patrick, Patrick Waugh, that's right. Yeah, isn't that incredible? Four French-Canadian goaltenders. Yeah. It, it's oh, was like Jonathan wait, Bernier, the only and other one. Now, am I wrong <laughs> in saying that Ed... <laughs> Belf Belfour Belfour Eddie yeah. Belfour yeah yeah he played for uh, Toronto Maple Leafs is he French Canadian I don't believe so okay just because the name looked I think, awfully French Canadian I think he's American really yeah I think he is an American because oh. okay then yeah then then it is the top Eddie four the Eagle or whatever would they not I think every professional athlete named oh no he's from Manitoba so he's Canadian but he's not French Canadian <laughs> okay well, well still there so I the, know <laughs> so the top five are all Canadian. But yeah, the top four very specifically are French Canadian. Yeah, it's crazy. So yeah. if you are French Canadian, you should probably think about becoming a hockey goalie. <laughs> yeah, because the if odds of you being good. <laughs> yeah, the odds of you being good are very high. Yeah. <laughs> uh, uh, but like in the NHL, there aren't actually that many French Canadian goalies. But the ones that are in the NHL are, are pretty good. Yeah. yeah. Well, it was it like Jonathan Bernier, who actually is not a bad goalie. He just happens to play on one of the worst teams. Yeah, and, and he was then... in Toronto when they were bad. Yeah, Jacques Plante also there. So five of the top ten, half of the top ten, and all of the top four French-Canadian goalies. Wow, yeah, that's crazy. Yeah. Do they produce any other positions over there, or is it just a whole province full of goalie camps? <laughs> Pierre-Edward Belvoir. Dude, he's France-French. <laughs> Seriously, he is. He, he No, he's from France. He's well, not I from screwed Quebec. that up. <laughs> yeah, well, his name's Pierre, so there you go. That's how you know. <laughs> oh, right, because he did. He was playing for Team France or whatever, was he not? Yeah, he's from um, Le Blanc Mesnil in France. Jesus. Yeah, definitely doesn't yeah. sound like a French Canadian city. Yeah, it's not Saint whatever. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh. Well, until we get a proper theme song. Yeah. <laughs> uh, welcome to Tyler's Surprise Headline, a little segment we do at the end of every episode where Tyler brings us something completely out of left field. <laughs> We're either going to laugh, cry, or 
I don't know what else we might do because it's Tyler's surprise. It's headline. a surprise. <laughs> okay, Tyler, well, take it away. Th- this one is sports related, so it's uh, it's coming from football. Okay, I was I was listening to an interview. Um, they were interviewing Jalen Ramsey, who's uh nice quarterback <laughs> for the Rams for the Rams. Yeah, he's playing for the Rams yeah. right now, and they were asking him on his uh, his techniques or kind of strategies when he's coming up against players and uh he was saying in high school he would figure out who he was going up against and like go through all their social media and whatnot dig into their girlfriends and then would dm their girlfriends and start trying to pick up their girlfriends before the game (laughs) no yes Dude, Jalen Ramsey is an absolute legend. And, and this is this is the guy that, like, a couple years ago came out and just dogged on the entire NHL saying that he could make an NHL team after, like, two or three practices and he yeah. couldn't even skate. The guy, and the guy is just a legend. I love Jalen Ramsey. That's hilarious. I mean, like, that, that reminds me of, like, when I was in middle school playing lacrosse and, like, if I knew some guys on the other team... Like, I'd trip him a bit, because, like, through connections, you know, we'd know their friends or their girlfriends, yeah. and, you know, you could kind of bug them a little, but, man, going on to their <laughs> social media their and DMing them, oh, man, that That's is... That's brilliant! It is! <laughs> it is! Holy... Yeah. Oh, that that's some next level stuff. <laughs> <laughs> that that's commitment is what that is. And, wait, did you say he did this in high school or in collegiate football? No, he did this in high school. <laughs> like high school football. So the man funny. the man was yeah. getting dirty with it. <laughs> I wonder I wonder if he ever actually successfully picked up a guy's girlfriend. That'd be so funny. <laughs> Honestly, you go would, up to one guy and hey, I, I was just gonna yeah. If he went up to one guy and just went, hey, I was going to just DM your girl, but she came over, man. Sorry. <laughs> she DM'd me. Yeah. Not only am I hitting you on the field, but I'm hitting her off the field. So. Oh! <laughs> hey, man, we're talking about football players. Be careful how you frame that. Very true. <laughs> oh, shit. <laughs> oh, God. Yeah, be careful. Kareem Hunt and uh, Ray Rice might be listening. <laughs> yeah, well, <laughs> let's not give him any more ideas. Well, <laughs> on that note, though, I I think we should probably. What could wrap you possibly segue up? this into? On that note, <laughs> um, I'm nervous where he's going. Yeah, right. you better be wrapping Speaking up the episode. Of, Speaking of which, <laughs> no, I was just saying we should probably be start wrapping this up. Yeah, but, uh, yeah. yeah. Put a cap on this episode. Yep. So, uh, no, it was definitely, a, I feel like this was definitely a good episode, and uh, hopefully we can we can hear from you guys. Remember, our uh, inboxes are open. We have our Instagram page, Marcus's TikTok, which, Marcus, what's your handle again on your TikTok? Handle on my TikTok, you can look up uh, Canucks videos or Life of a Canucks fan. Either one's going to bring up my account. Yeah, and our Instagram is at Vancouver Boys Podcast. All right, on uh, okay, well on that note, I guess uh, we'll see you guys next week and uh, have a good one. Thanks for hanging out with us. See you on the next one, guys. Peace. <laughs>